Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. everybody how you doing Woo! you guys doing good all right good to see you thanks for being here tonight we've been digging into uh, the word of God over the last little while spent a good chunk of time uh, digging into the call of God for your life and then we've been spending a little bit of time digging into uh, community and how to do life well together how many here love God's word let me see your hands you love the Bible all right so I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go to Acts chapter 2. And I want us tonight, we're going to just take a look in God's Word at the church and the, the community that is available uh, that God builds. Jesus said he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which just means that he's building his church and nothing can stop it. Hell itself can't stop it. And the church is a location and it's also people. It's people and it's a place. And so it's not just, it's not just a matter of, um, you know, I'm a Christian and, and therefore I'm de facto part of the church. The church of Jesus Christ is, you know, advancing all over the world. It's advancing here in North America, here in Canada. But it can be moving on all around you. What you got to do is actually put some faces to it and put some passion on it and actually plug in and get connected. And so I want us to take a look at Acts chapter 2 because I, I believe that Acts chapter 2, I mean, it is the beginning of the church. It's the beginning of the ultimate community that God is building on the planet. And really, in the book of Acts, the church was kind of kicking butt and taking names. It was just like everyone was just like filled with the Holy Spirit. They're kicking demons out of people, and people are getting healed, and they're having showdowns with like the government, and they're just like, we're going to preach, and you can't stop us. And they're just like the power of God is resting on them in might and power. And so I think that there's a standard there that is a standard for us to aspire to. I personally believe Jesus is not going to come back for anything less than what he, what he left. And so we, we can actually read the word and get our faith built up to not just go, isn't that cool what God did back then? But we could actually stir our faith and go, hey, we could actually be a part of something like that right now because Jesus isn't changed. He hasn't changed. He's not doing something different. He's doing the same thing. It still works. Okay? So we don't have to outsmart the Bible. We don't have to try to come up with something cooler. People have tried that. Just spoiler alert. People have tried to improve on the church, tried to improve on God's idea, and it never works out. Okay, when you're just like, you know what, we're going to do church different and we're just going to like make it super uh, appealing and make it super like whatever. Anybody can do whatever the freak they want. It's just like nothing. It doesn't work. Okay, there has to actually be a, a standard and we're not going to exceed what God says. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, take your Bibles and get there when you're there. Say, I'm there. Okay, let's go. Acts 2, 42. They, that's the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day. 
not once a week, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, so when you read that, that's how the church got started. When the church got started, it's just like, it's just running like a rocket. It's not a slow start. It's the power of God coming upon God's people. Earlier in this chapter, you know, 120 people are in an upper room. They're waiting on God. The Holy Spirit comes. We just celebrated this yesterday, the day of Pentecost. They all get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They got radical boldness, the power of God upon their lives. On the first day after the first sermon, after the the first 120 believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people get saved, and the church just never looks back. And so here we are a few verses later, and you've got people that are just, they're, they're seeing favor with everybody. Everyone is, is in awe, looking at the miracles, the signs and wonders, seeing the generosity, seeing the love, seeing the community within the church, and God is adding daily to their numbers. Listen, that's a pretty good beginning for the church, and so we can't improve on it. And so in the text that we looked at uh, just now, Verse 42, the very first verse, shows us the devotion of the early church. There's four devotions of the early church. And all I want to do tonight is just give this to you, kind of break it down, and then we're going to pray together, and that'll be that. All right. So, okay. So, really, the, 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 the message tonight is how to build an epic community that has a thriving influence in a world that isn't necessarily receptive, because that's the church of Jesus Christ. Like, if, if you're ever thinking, well, I don't know, man, the church seems like it's not really doing that good. Like, there's a couple of good churches around, but, like, generally speaking, the church is suffering. Like, all you have to do is just look beyond this continent. Seriously, like, just don't be so North American in your worldview. Like, just look beyond this continent. The church of Jesus is thriving the world over. And the church of Jesus is thriving in places where it shouldn't be thriving. It's thriving in places where it's illegal to thrive. It's thriving in places where you're not allowed to meet openly. So people are like, okay, well, we're just going to this factory over here. And then factories, like, a church looks just like this. And they just, like, they, they do it all up and just go for it. Like, the church of Jesus is thriving the world over. I think in the West, I think in North America and a lot of Europe and even Australia, but we, we're trying to just kind of fancy it up. And I don't think we can get any fancier. Like, I don't think that we're going to improve on how fancy we can do church. And what the reality is, is that the fancy isn't working. What works is God on his people. What works is the spirit of God on hungry people. And so I think if we take a look at the influence that the early church had, and realize that the desire of every heart, the book of Proverbs says, what a man desires most is unfailing love. That means every person in this room wants to have true, undying friendship at a heart level. That's what you want. The Bible also says in Proverbs, but a faithful man who can find. So it's like everybody wants like the most diehard community and friendships, but who actually wants to be that person? 
That's the tension. And so the decision has to be made, not in our own, just our own willpower, but in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to commit to what God is doing. I'm going to commit to what Jesus is building. Listen, if you want to be a part of a thriving community that is going to bring change to your life and to the world around you, guess what? It's not a new idea. It's an old one. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus is building. So instead of trying to come up with a cool idea that God might bless, we should just get into his idea that he's already determined to bless. Right? Like that's just, he's like, I'm going to build my church. And we're like, Lord, what if we started a little um, parachurch ministry, kind of a hub, and we just, you know, we just, uh, we just do a hip-hop and we do it. Like whatever. Like, I don't know. I've heard everything. It's like, how about you just get into what God's doing? And, and here's the deal. Sometimes people's evangelistic passion gets hijacked, and all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, but I don't want my friends to be weirded out. I don't want to bring them to church, and people are, like, raising their hands and singing. It's like, well, how come you do it? I don't want someone to speak in tongues near my friends. Well, why do you do it? How come you understand it? Well, I don't know. Like, you're not more special than your friend. And here's the spoiler alert. You don't love your friends more than the Holy Spirit does. Anyways, we can just close in prayer now. No, like, seriously, you don't. You don't, you don't love people more than he does. And we're so nervous trying to do PR for the Holy Spirit. And he's like, don't worry, I got this. Like, day one, the Holy Spirit comes. There's fire on people's heads. They're speaking languages nobody understands. Like, they don't understand they're saying it. And people are like, you know Mandarin? It's like, I guess. And the Bible says the people are amazed and perplexed, which is just Bible language for everyone's feeling weird. Like, what are these people doing? And it's like, no problem. Come on in. And, and thousands are swept into the kingdom of God. I think we got to just stop trying to run PR for God and just be like, okay, let's get back to the devotion of the early church. Are you with me? Let's get back to the devotion of the early church. So Acts 2.42, all we're going to do is unpack that verse. Because the, there's four devotions of the early church that actually helps us to build a community that will be making a lasting difference. And it's the kind of community, I'm guaranteeing to you, it's the kind of community every single person in this room wants to be a part of. It's the heart of Jesus, and it's, it, it is found as the fruit of these devotions, okay? So Acts 2.42, let me read it one more time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's one, and to the fellowship, that's two, and to the breaking of bread, that's three, and to prayer. Okay, so let's get into it. First of all, they devoted themselves. So they weren't passive about this. The early church, the community that Jesus is building, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That means that they were devoted to actually coming to church, listening to what was preached, and applying themselves to it. They didn't come with a critical attitude. They didn't come and be like, no, I hope this guy lines up with a book I just read. I don't know, you know, I hope this guy, you know, I saw something on Twitter, and I'm not sure exactly if this is what he's preaching. Like, they didn't come with a critical attitude. They came with hunger in their heart. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So I just want to say that apostolic doctrine matters. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to go beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have to go beyond the book of Acts. You have to get into the apostolic letters. You have to get in, like, like, and people are like, you know what? I'm just a red-letter Christian. Meaning what? Meaning I just read the Gospels, and then I freewheel it from there. As if to say, well, here's what you're really saying. I'm smarter than the Apostle Paul. That's what you're saying. I'm more anointed than the Apostle Peter. That's what you're saying. I've got a better read on Scripture than the first 
fathers that God put his grace on and breathed into them scripture. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you had this idea about something that I thought about Jesus? And like, if you're a student of God's word at all and a student of church history at all, there's no new idea that's being preached today that hasn't already been preached. And so people come up with something, they're like, you know, like someone will read a verse where it's like, just as in Adam all sinned, so in Christ all are forgiven. And they're like, do you know what that means? Everybody's going to heaven. (laughs) And they're like, isn't that a cool idea, a revelation I just had? It's like, no, that's called universalism in this generation. used to be called Gnosticism in a previous generation. It's not new. You just read it and got weird like a billion people ahead of you did. Sorry, this isn't in my notes. Okay, but the point is, we have to devote ourselves to the counsel of God's word and the word of God as it's preached in the local church. Like, people don't just decide. Like, like people don't just go, you know it would be a cool job? I want to be a pastor. So I'm just going to, like, like, what, go apply as if I'm going to serve fries at McDonald's? No offense, Ivy. I'm just saying, okay, A little McDonald's burn there for a second. Okay. It's not, it's not like you just go, here's a cool job I'd like to try. Jesus actually gives gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. He gives gifts to the church. And it's not just something I think I could do. Something that, like There's an actual grace that God releases so that the church of Christ can be built up. And so if we don't rightly align with the leadership that God puts in the church, we can't rightly grow. And so the early church, there's, there's not a disconnect. Like, we want the influence of the Book of Acts church. Wave at me if you want the influence of the Book of Acts church. You want to be a part of a Book of Acts church. You can't separate it from devotion to apostolic teaching, from devotion to the Word of God as it's preached at a local church level. So there actually has to be a, a, a submission to apostolic authority. And, and, and the Apostle Paul did that. He would steer churches when you read... Uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all those letters, he's steering churches away from error because there's like weirdos who came into those churches and tried to preach stuff like, hey, you know, Jesus already came back. You all missed it. And, and, and Paul's like, no, that guy's weird. Don't listen to him. <clears throat> so you have to know who you're going to listen to is the point. If you want to thrive, if you want to grow, you have to know who to listen to. And so we have to actually get devoted at a local church level to what's <clears throat> being taught and preached and having doctrine that is aligned with life. Listen to this to, from 1 Timothy 4.16. The Apostle Paul says this to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says to him, Timothy was a pastor, and he's saying to this young pastor, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What's that mean? Paul's saying to this young pastor, he's like, dude, don't just be a good preacher, be a good person. You have good doctrine, yes, but also have, a, have a, a worthy life. Persevere in a lifestyle of holiness. Watch over your life and your doctrine. Okay? This is, this is just for free. Take it for what it's worth. But if you're always getting fed by a podcast from someone that you've never met, you don't know how to watch over their life. You just know how to hear their words. And so, like, I understand when everything's, are we giving out treats? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, hon. Trick-or-treat and everything. Candies and water. Sweet. Okay. So, so if you are 
if you're only like, you know what, well, I, I, you know, you say to somebody, what church do you go to? And you're like, well, um, there's like four. You know, I go to this one, I go to that one, I go to this one, and then I listen to a lot of Stephen Furtick. It's like, okay, listen, you might be like getting some good teaching in you, but there's no way for you to actually see that leader's life. Paul said to Timothy, watch over your life and your doctrine. You actually need to be able to see someone's life and their doctrine on display. Not just hear a good idea, but actually see what they're living out. And if, if what they're living out doesn't match up with a great sermon, this is just for free. Great sermons are just great sermons. What you want is, what you want is like, water is good, but water out of a, uh, you know, a water bottle that's got like manure in it? No thanks. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just have a good message. I want that coming from a good source. And so the church was devoted to apostolic doctrine and apostolic teaching. Okay, so lifestyle and doctrine have to be connected. Teaching without the ability to watch a life is a precursor to a culture of celebrity. Right? Where you get nervous and you're just like, oh my gosh, I, was, I went to a Stephen Curtick show. I mean, sermon. And, and, I, and I think he looked at me. <laughs> And I got him to sign my Bible, and then I, and then I had it tattooed on my arm. And I go, that's weird. Like the culture of celebrity has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And listen to me, I love Stephen Furtick. I'm not saying what I'm just saying is you have to have connection. And the and the early church was devoted in their connection to one another, and they were devoted to apostolic teaching. Secondly, they were devoted to fellowship. Okay, fellowship. That's a real churchy word, right? Like you don't say fellowship in any other context but church. Like, yeah, after the service, why don't we hang out for some fellowship? Like, you know, tell me you're a Christian without telling me you're a Christian. Want to come over for some fellowship? Okay. <clears throat> right? Fellowship? Hey, would you like to be my fellow? Okay. Let's get on a ship. I don't know. So, right? Fellowship. It's a, there's a Greek word that that is based on, and the Greek word is koinonia. And what it means is like community, uh, agreed upon community. Like having, the word community actually means common unity. And, and, and it's two words slammed together. Common unity, like there's something in common around which we unify. So again, I think you can guess what the church is. It's people who have unified around Jesus. What a thought, eh? The church is for Christians. That's, that's almost like a revolutionary thought for people. The church is for Christians? Well, I don't know, man. Like, I just want a church that's for everybody. Um, what you want is a church that's reaching and that's evangelistic, but you want no apologies. The reason we're here is for Jesus. That's why we're here. And so, like, if you really want to be a part, it's around Jesus. And it's like, yeah, but I like to be in a part of a church where you, you don't have to believe to belong. That just, that's just a cool thing to say. That just looks good on the wall. That's a cool Instagram handle. That doesn't really work. You actually have to have community, common unity around a shared belief. We're here for Jesus. Jesus said, if just two or three people get together in my name, I'm there. I don't know about you. I want to be where Jesus is by the power of his spirit. And so the first church is 120 people in the upper room, and they're there 
in prayer and the Spirit of God falls upon them, that common unity is we're not just here just kind of nervous and kind of embarrassed to like, well, we don't want to turn anybody off and we don't want to like, you know, do anything weird. They're just like, we're here for Jesus. And being here for Jesus makes all the difference. Like, like there's a lot of people in the world, okay? But the early church was devoted to their common unity. They weren't trying to be a place for everyone. Now, everyone can come. And, and, and when you look at the result of, and the fruit of the church in Revelation, when John, by the Spirit, is taken into the future, and he's at the end of time, and he sees after you know, time and space and everything is over, he sees in front of Jesus a crowd of worshipers, and what he sees and what he hears is not just a bunch of Jewish people, it's not just a bunch of white people, it's not just a bunch of black people, it's not just a bunch of Asian people, it's everybody. He sees people of every people of every tribe, language, tongue, and he hears them. Like, how cool is that? Everyone's singing in their own languages all at once. I don't know. I think that's cool. Everybody is there for Jesus. That's the common unity. We're here for him. Everyone can come to encounter him, but the reason we're here, our koinonia, our common unity, what we fellowship around isn't just like there's a lot of cute girls here. It's not just they have good snacks after or the coffee's good or the bathrooms are just amazing. Have you seen the bathrooms here? They're nuts. Like it's not about any other inferior thing. We're here for Jesus. And it's what we build our community around. Now listen, I'm not just kind of, I'm, I'm a passionate local church guy, but I'm trying to give you something practical for the kind of community that you want to build your life around. Listen, you have all kinds of friends. How's anyone going to come to know Jesus if we only know Christians? Have all kinds of friends, but listen to me. Build community around the people of God. Build community around your shared faith in Jesus. You can influence a lot of people, but don't let a lot of people influence you. Let the people of God influence you. Be about the, the presence of Jesus. You're like, I don't know, sounds pretty narrow. It also sounds pretty effective that the church was growing because people were like, I want in on that. I want to be a part of that. What is it that sets them apart? What is it that's different? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit on them and their devotion to that common unity. Okay, Being devoted together uh, to, to their shared faith in Jesus. The third devotion is the breaking of bread. And so, uh, basically, breaking of bread is just, you know, when you're, when you're a really bad baker and it's so hard. No. Okay, so the breaking of bread is just, it's just a, way, a fancy way of saying It's like a Bible way of saying they like to eat together. It's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. You're like, hey, eating together? I can do that, right? So, they made eating together, just, just like, I think this is kind of cool. They made eating together a matter of devotion. Like, this is one of our priorities. This matters to us. We're here, and we want to hear the word of God. We're here because we've gathered in the name of Jesus, and that's our common unity. It's not our culture. It's not our background. It's not how we look. It's not how we sound. We're here because of Jesus. That's what our common unity is. And while we're here, let's eat. And there's, there's, they actually recognize there's something spiritual about breaking bread together. There's something good about doing life together. Like we, it's, it's so funny. Like, like pastoring, you know, you kind of hear everything. Like you'll have some people be like, like, 
I like this church, but like when you stop and put up a clock and you have to like shake hands for three minutes, I just go and hide in the bathroom. Like, that's so weird. I don't want to shake hands with a bunch of strangers, right? And then you'll also have people on the opposite side of the spectrum be like, um, this church is so big, I can't meet anybody. Well, what do you do? How about we put a clock up and say, shake hands for three minutes? Like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Did, would you like to make friends? Yeah. Could we make it any easier? Well, yeah, you could just, like, match me on match.com and see if you could, like, have my perfect friendship. Okay, that's weird, okay? The reality is that there is something spiritual about fellowship and breaking bread, having, having a meal together. Jesus said of himself in Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, he described himself this way. He said, the son of man came eating and drinking. That's how Jesus came to the planet. It's like, hey, Jesus, like, Jesus, how do you want to change the world? Well, there's going to be food and drinks. Okay. Uh, how many people are you going to get on your leadership team? Twelve. You want to change the world, and how long, how long are you going to take? Mm, three years. And how many leaders? Twelve. Well, eleven. One of them's going to totally nosedive. <laughs> and what's your massive strategy? Food. Jesus' first miracle was solving a catering problem. Like, I could think of, you know what I mean? Like, more profound things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I was God, no, I'm, that's a heretical statement. But it's like, you know, like, it just, think, like, do you know what I mean? Like, if you were going to, like, kick off the miracles, you know? Like, Jairus' daughter, you know, she's dead. And Jesus shows up and raises her back to life. By the way, he tells her, eat a sandwich, but don't tell anyone that I just raised you from the dead. Like, Jesus is all about food. You must be hungry. You've been dead for a minute. Have a sandwich. Right? I'd start there. Jesus is like, okay, so I'm at this wedding. And his mom's like, they ran out of wine. He's like, well, woman, why does that concern me? First of all, you have to be God in the flesh to be able to talk to your mom and just say, woman. How's that affect me? And she's just like, she turns, doesn't even talk to him again. She just says to the servants, do whatever he says. And he's like, great, my mom's telling you what to do. Fills the pitchers with water and turns the water into wine. That's the first miracle. Like, this wedding's going to suck. I guess we better make some more drinks. That's Jesus' first miracle. There's a bunch of people listening to Jesus on a hillside. They're hungry. They've been listening to him all day. Jesus didn't preach in 45 minutes. Like all day he's preaching. And then he, he looks and he's like, these people are hungry. And they're like, what do you want us to do about it? He's like, well, feed them. And they're like, this would take like nine months wages to feed all these people. He's like, see what's here. Well, we've got a filet of fish from McDonald's. Right, Ivy? Okay, so. <laughs> McDonald's references are just hot off the press. Okay, so. He takes a bag lunch, and he multiplies it. And like, like Lewis was praying earlier out of Ephesians 3.20, he doesn't just, there he is, I'm looking around for Lewis. Like, Lewis. It's like, where's Waldo? Meathead edition. Okay, so, okay, so Lewis was praying about, 
How, how Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Everybody's hungry. Jesus takes a bag lunch, says, have everybody sit down and just pass it around. I think this is just so cool. They're passing out food, and it's multiplying while they're doing it. Can you imagine that? Like, it's just like the buns are warm in your hand. It's like, what is happening right now? And they pass out. Everyone gets stuffed, and then they have more than enough, so they go around with baskets, and they collect leftovers. Like, more than enough. Jesus' miracle of multiplying fish and bread, and he did it a couple of times. When he called Peter, we looked at this a couple of months ago, he calls him and he multiplies the catch of fish. When we get to heaven, the first thing we're going to do is have a big meal. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus invites us into communion with himself, and it's a meal. He doesn't just say, stay distant from me, but he goes, this bread is my body. Eat it. This cup is my blood. Drink it. Like, don't stay distant from me. Metabolize who I am into you. And the early church decided, they got it into their conviction. And so we're, we're looking at the influence of the early church, this community that's thriving. And one of their devotions, if we don't stop and look at it, that's what preaching is, we stop and take a closer look. We're like, wait a second. They devoted themselves to eating together. They, they recognized there's something good that happens when we break bread and we stop and we, we fellowship, we take time with one another. Jesus came eating and drinking. The early church was devoted to fellowship and to breaking bread. And so there's this, there's this picture of community that it's, it's not like, you know, you'd almost expect like this church is so anointed and there's all this healing and miracles that they devoted themselves to just prayer and fasting and, you know, 24-7 worship. But it's like, no, they, they, we'll get to prayer, but like they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to being together in the name of Jesus, to having food with one another. And then finally, they devoted themselves, number four, to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. That is, simply, they were devoted to talking to God. They were devoted to talking with God. They were devoted to doing that together. I personally think, this is just years of pastoral experience coming at you fresh, okay? Just coming at you hot tonight. I don't know what got into me tonight. But anyways, the, okay, for some reason, I think, I think the enemy just tries to attack us in the place of prayer. For some reason, there are so many Christians who are just nervous to pray with other Christians. And it's like, it just feels like at some point we just kind of have to go, well, maybe, maybe it's just like the enemy is just trying to throw us off one of our main devotions. And when you ask people, why don't you want to pray, like, at a prayer meeting, it's like, I'm not good at it. What does that even mean? You're talking to God, and you're like, yeah, but it doesn't sound fancy. That's a good thing. Yeah, but other people pray, and it just sounds like they don't run out of words, and it just flows, and it sounds like a soliloquy. That might be the first time I've said soliloquy while I was preaching. But it's just like, it just flows and it's just, you know, it just sounds so eloquent and fancy. It's like, um, that doesn't matter. What matters is your heart reaching out to God in honesty and in fellowship and in communion. And actually having a devotion to prayer, 
a quickness. I would say this, spiritual maturity can often be measured in quickness to pray. Spiritual maturity, it can often be measured in quickness to pray. Like sometimes there's stuff going on in your life and it's like, you know, like you, the boss says, come to my office and you're like, oh no, I think that I might get fired. And you go and you talk to some people and you're trying to get them to like speak up for you and put in a good word. And you, you know, you're doing all of this stuff, machining things as much as you can. And then, you know, you lose your job and then you might get kicked out of your apartment and you ask everybody for some money and you hit up your parents and whatever. And like things eventually get so bad that you actually pray instead of all the other stuff you try. But spiritual maturity can often be measured in quickness to pray. Like go to God first. Go to God often. And I think sometimes we get nervous to pray together because for some reason we've got this performance thing and like we're, we're thinking it has to like sound impressive. And I think what would actually really move us into a real strength of prayer as a church would be to actually just put performance aside and just be like we're coming to God raw and honest. Because when you really need the Lord, like if you were stuck on the train tracks and the tra train coming, you're not stopping to pray your best Shakespearean prayer. Lord, thou seest the diesel engine as it proceedeth in my direction, making haste toward my skull. But you move from that real quick to like, Jesus, help. I remember years ago when, when we first got here, I had a K car. Does anyone know what a K car is? Like these cars are way too old. But I got this K car. It was old when I got it. And I got this K car. And it was just this crappy little car. And, and it was just so good in the snow and stuff like that. So I have one of the young adults in the church. And we're crossing over the Casablanca Bridge. And it had iced over. And I didn't notice it. And Well, I did notice it, actually. And I was, I was like, I wanted to fishtail it just a little bit. So I turned around and I go, hey, Brandon, watch this. And, I, and the car literally goes direct sideways on the, on the Casablanca. So I was going fast and being stupid. It happens. And I'm now sliding at probably like 70 kilometers an hour perfectly sideways. But it's only the bridge that's frozen. And then it's like normal pavement again. And I'm like, when this bites, like I could be like tumbling. So I go, hey, Brandon, watch this. And I slide sideways. And I'm like, and without even thinking, I'm like, oh, Jesus. It was like a running joke. It was like, it was like a running joke. He still says that to me. Hey, man. Oh, Jesus. Because... <laughs> you're like was he taking the name of the Lord in vain no that was all the prayer I could get out at that speed <laughs> oh Jesus I'm not saying that's the most mature thing I've ever done okay but spiritual maturity can often be measured in quickness to pray oh just Jesus Lord help and I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to sound flowery or impress. All I want to do is I want to join in my voice to what God is doing. Prayer is talking to God. It's talking with God. And it's agreeing with God. That's really all we're doing in prayer. We're just agreeing with God. Like God has already made his promises in his word. And all we're doing is we're coming into alignment with those promises. And we're saying... God, we know this is what you've said. We're looking for you to do that here. So we pray together tonight and go, wow, there's needs in this room. 
But God's able not just to meet them. He's able to go exceedingly abundantly above and beyond them. Let's pray for that. But if we're just like all in our heads about it, we're just like, well, just kind of whisper under my, under my breath and just hope that no one listens. But if we could push past that and just muster enough courage to be like, hey, man, what are we praying with you for? And it's like, um, my mom's not feeling well. And it seems like it might be pretty serious. Wow, are you okay? I'm really upset about it, actually. Let's pray. God, I'm just praying for Brian's mom, and I'm asking you to heal her. I'm asking you for Brian, that you would just comfort him too, because this is hard for him. It's not impressive. It's not Shakespearean. It's not a performance. But I'm agreeing with the God who heals. And I'm agreeing with the God who cares and who comforts. And I'm lending my agreement in. And in that devotion, see, the early church had this devotion where they prayed. Listen, it's good to pray for somebody. But a lot of the time, it's better to pray with somebody. Do you understand the difference? Like, someone's like, yeah, so my mom, you know, is, is sick and it's looking pretty serious. It's like, I'll pray for you. The reason you often say that is because you're nervous and you want to sound impressive. But I would love to challenge everybody in this room. Press past that and be like, can I pray with you? And it's not like, saddle up, I've been practicing in my bedroom. You're about to hear the most mind-blowing prayer you've ever heard. You might want to sit down because the anointing is about to blast through me. But here, here's the key to the demonstration of any of the Holy Spirit's gifts in your life. According to 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, the gifts of the Spirit operate through love. Who cares if you pray an impressive prayer, but I don't feel like you even remember my name. But if you felt loved and you felt the love of God through me, then that's God working in me and through me together with you. That prayer is a way of expressing the compassion and kindness of Jesus in a real world situation. But it's helping me to actually empathize and step into that with you. And the early church had this devotion. It wasn't on the side. It was in the center. We're devoted to apostolic teaching. We're devoted to the preaching and the teaching of God's word. We come with a, a heart of faith. We don't just show up on a Sunday. We don't just show up on a Monday and hope it's a good one. We come ready to hear from God. And we come ready to, to understand that what we're here for, we're here in the name of Jesus. This is completely other than every other kind of gathering. This common unity is the name of Jesus. And then we're here, and it's just as spiritual when we break spiritual bread together, that we would actually break literal bread together. That we would like grab some food after and, and break bread and grow in relationship and get to know one another, care for one another. And we're devoted to prayer and praying. And what we see in the, in the early church, those verses that we just read, Acts 2, 42 to 47, is we see a church that's growing daily. And the people are meeting daily in homes and at church. It's like, it's like everything we do as a church. Life groups, you know, smaller breakout groups, and the larger gatherings. It's not one or the other. It's, it's finding a way to break down the larger into a smaller gathering. And some, some things happen there that can't happen here. And some things happen here that can't happen there. So it's, not, it's an unnecessary choice. We just gather and we make these things our devotion. And as we're devoted to these things, what God does is he breathes on it. That's what we see in the book of Acts. 
We see a church that's flourishing. We see a church that is growing and is making a lot of influence with those simple devotions. Okay? So I'm going to say them one more time. Sitting under anointed preaching. Focused relationships amongst the community of followers of Jesus. Christian friends. Eating together and praying together. These things build a strong community. These things will build the strongest friend group that you will ever be a part of. That's it. So, the question that I have for you is this. How are you doing with this list? How are you doing? Not aspirationally, actually. How are you doing? What's your level of devotion to these four things? How are you doing with this list? Are these devotions your devotion? Not, not, not just a collection of, play, but like plugging in these four disciplines. I'm plugged in at a local church level. I'm sitting under the anointed preaching of God's word, and I come ready to hear God through the preacher. I come ready to be devoted to being a community of faith. I'm here in the name of Jesus. I'm not embarrassed about it. That's why I'm here. I'm here to worship. I'm here to sing. I'm here to celebrate. I'm here to bow down. I'm here to honor him. I'm here in the name of Jesus. I'm, we're, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm not just going to come late and leave early. I'm actually going to meet somebody and we're going to go eat pizza somewhere. Maybe even some McDonald's. Right, Ivy? Like we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, okay. What we're going to, we're going to find a way to break down community together. Okay. And then I'm devoted to prayer and praying together. Okay. So here's, the, here's my second question. And I want you to answer back for me. Okay. Is this list hard? Is this list doable? Like everyone here, this isn't like, well, yeah, if you've got a theological degree and you know how to read Greek and Hebrew, like anybody can do this. You can do this. We can do this. These devotions aren't like top shelf tricky stuff. This is simple. We can get devoted here. We can like raise our level of commitment and submission to the anointed preaching of God's word, raise our level of commitment to being a part of the local church, community, koinonia, our common unity in the name of Jesus. That's where I'm investing the best of my efforts and the best of my time, every part of me, in those relationships where we've got a common faith in Jesus. That's where I'm zeroed in. That's actually easy to do. I'm devoted to, like, breaking bread, meaning, you know, maybe I actually, you know, bring, you know, budget for like having some food together like not just being so cheap well like um, i'm just gonna go home and have craft dinner because i'm not paying that much for a cheeseburger okay but like it's not about the cheeseburger it's about the fellowship it's about the time together but we can do this and prayer like so like pray out loud for somebody with somebody I, i'm i'm just telling you everyone within the sound of my voice you can do this we can do this this is not beyond our reach. And we want to be a part of something like the book of Acts. And it's an open book test. It's a cheat sheet right here in Acts 2.42. Well, how did they do it? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to their common faith in Jesus, fellowship, breaking of bread, eating together, and prayer. And we're like flipping back into the concordance. Like, There's got to be something else. What else did they do? What's the other secret sauce that they had? And it's like, this is it. We can do this. We can do this. It's not hard. And so I want us, I want us to just, I want us just to pray into it, and then we're going to 
maybe go eat something. <laughs> All right? So why don't you stand to your feet, and I want us to pray. I want you just to close your eyes where you are, if you would, because I think the best way that we can apply this word is just to ask the Holy Spirit to do it for us, to do it in us. So just close your eyes right where you are. And I just want you to, you know, to, to picture in, in your mind's eye, in the spirit of faith, again, when you read the book of Acts and you see what God was doing there, I want you to, to, to see that as not just some distant, you know, 2,000 years ago, toga-wearing culture, something totally separate from today, but picture it as like a present reality. Like this, this is what local church can look like. This is what things could look like here on a Sunday, here, here on a Monday. This is, this is what it's meant to be. It's just people who are quick to pray and to invite someone to their table. That the new guy doesn't go home and feel like nobody was nice, but like God invited to pull up a chair and share a happy meal with somebody. Like God connected. It got that connection, got that sense that, wow, Jesus is the center of this community. That devotion to the word of God. This is something we can do right here, 2023. This is it. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for the life of it, the truth of it, the revelation of it to our hearts, that it's, it's, it's not difficult, it's not tricky, it's not far removed. But right here within our reach, this community, this room, maybe around the same number of people in the upper room on that first day, Lord, tonight I'm asking that you would help us to realize what you've done before you can do again even right here. And I pray that you would tonight break the fear off of us and the performance off of us when it comes to prayer. Lord, I pray that you would refine our evangelistic passion, our desire to welcome people, that, Lord, you would help us to do it in such a way that we would not, uh, not neuter or, or, or take away the strength of what it is that you do by yourself, but we would just welcome people into the atmosphere of the presence of God. The koinonia fellowship that's all built on Jesus and your presence surrounding us and filling us through and through. That, Father, you would help us to be those who have an extra seat at whatever table that we sit at, that we would always be making room for someone to break bread with. That, God, we would be open-hearted, open community, quick to pray. And that, Lord, you would give us a devotion to the preaching of your word, that we would take it in and not be skeptics, but that we would be hungry spiritual seekers wanting your word and the life of it to nourish us. I pray that, Lord, you would help us to take this word and mix it with faith, and that that faith would produce action in us, that we would go from this place with a fresh commitment to these devotions. And that what we would see in our lives and through our lives, Lord, for each one who would do it, we would see that you are building your church and this is how you're doing it. So give us the faith for it. Give us the vision for it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, before we're done, how many, how many like, are open to being stretched just a little bit. Anybody? Okay. Let's just assume it's all of us. Okay. Turn to someone that you came with, okay, and I, I want you to just pray together before we're done. Would you just do that in, in just a little group? You don't have to impress anybody. It doesn't have to be a big, long prayer. It might take three seconds. God, thanks for tonight. Bless my friends. Amen. Like, it, just start somewhere. Can we do it? Let's all just start somewhere. Let's flex just a little bit, stretch a bit, because it's not the people from the front that do the praying. It's God's people that pray. Can we do it? Let's, let's pray, and then we'll go.
Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.